You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. Welcome to Jubilee. Uh, my name is Michael. If you're new during this part of uh, our gathering on Sunday, we have what's traditionally called a sermon, or it's a talk on a passage from the Bible that's about Jesus and about how a relationship with Jesus will transform your life. And uh, we're, we do these in series, and this series is called Move. It's about the seven transformations we make as we follow Jesus. Last week, uh, we talked about moving from death to life, and I'm just going to start there for a second. Uh, move is about being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. That's really what we're doing here. We're, what we do as Jubilee is we're trying to become followers of Jesus and follow Jesus in all parts of our life. Uh, a disciple, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, is it means, uh, so if I'm a disciple of Jesus, what that means is that I am repenting, I'm changing my mind about the world, about life, about myself, and I'm beginning to believe the good news, the message of Jesus. And then increasingly over time in my life and together with other people called spiritual family, I'm moving from death to life, from brokenness to wholeness, from selfishness to love, from cynicism to faith, from apathy to mission, from scarcity to abundance, and from striving to abiding. If you think about what we're saying by that is, is that life without Jesus, okay, so the culture of our city, the culture of our world apart from God, my, my life apart from God looks more like this. Death, brokenness, selfishness, cynicism, apathy, scarcity, striving. Okay. My life apart from God is full of death. At least, at least it's not full of, of, of true life. It's broken. We'll talk about that today. I am kind of inherently selfish. I'm cynical. I don't, some of us are more of these than others. I'm apathetic. I just don't care. Anybody ever feel like that? I just don't care. I have scarcity. I just feel like I never have enough. Like I'm chasing after everything. I can't get enough. And I'm striving. I just feel like I'm, life is not, um, I'm careful with this, it's not easy. And I'm always striving. I'll, we'll talk about that another day, but it's not just about easy or hard, but it's about the fact that I'm trying to make something happen constantly. In that sense, life is not easy. Like I'm constantly trying to make it happen, trying to please people, trying to break through. And I and I'm constantly feel like I can't and I'm tired. And that actually has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus has uh, everything to do with something called abiding resting, but that's five weeks from now. Last week, we talked about moving from death to life, and death to life, it's online if you want to listen to it, is the core of all these movements. It's really what we're about, okay? Even today, uh, I'm talking about brokenness to wholeness, and brokenness to wholeness is really another way of talking about death to life. Uh, you'll see it's a little, it'll be a little bit different, uh, but the main thing here is death to life. If you don't get anything else, it's death to life. It's not really that we're just trying to help people become loving, not selfish. It's not that I'm just trying to become loving and not selfish. It's that I'm trying to go from death to life. And when I start walking out life, I'm going to start walking out selflessness. Love. Okay, so death to life. Death to life means that just as 
I think the slide is way, way further down the slides, but as Jesus, the story of Jesus, Jesus was, was a real man who came on the earth in the first century. He claimed to be God himself, the only way to God, the true God, outside of all religion or striving or philosophy, but to cut right through all that and say that you can have a relationship with God and be made new today. Jesus came to give us what's called life. And that's the main message. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end if you want to take that step today because all these, all these things, death to life, brokenness to wholeness, have practical steps you can take to move in that direction. Um, but what happens today is what happens once I move from death to life? Okay, Moving from death to life is what happens when you say, okay, I follow Jesus now. So if you say today, I'm not a Christian, I don't follow Jesus, I'm not sure what that means, then you haven't moved from death to life. Okay. But let's say you do move from death to life. What do you do after that? What does it mean to follow Jesus after that? What is God interested in after that? And the way that we can talk about that is that we're moving from brokenness to wholeness. All the other movements are specific, relatively specific. Next week, we'll talk about what does it mean to be selfish and what does it mean to be loving and what does that have to do with following Jesus and how do I become what is truly loving? Today is still a bit more broad. In fact, it's a very difficult topic to talk about. They're, they're very broad. They're very open. The words I'm using are, in a way, found in the Bible and, in a way, not found in the Bible. Brokenness, wholeness. They're like catch-all terms for what's going on in the story of the Bible. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, remember, like this is about following Jesus, so these are movements that we're all invited to make. So today, how do you move from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness? That's what you should be wrestling with. Well, I'll keep talking about it if it's not clear yet, but how do you move from a place of brokenness, and what is that for you, to a place of wholeness? And what would that look like to you? And how do you make that movement? Now, there's lots of... So I say it's hard to talk about this because it's more of a theme. And, and there's many... Th this idea comes out of many passages in the Bible. And this is one. What Paul is saying, he's writing to the Philippians. He's in prison, okay? He's right, And this is... We could talk for a while about all that, but he, this is a guy in prison writing. I always... I'm thinking about you. It's good. I'm going to preach next week already. Self-love. He's in prison. In all my prayers for all of you, not in prison, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is also not the message today, but I don't know if we would say it like that. Do you know that like Arevalo and I have been in partnership in the gospel from the moment that he believed or I believed? Like, do you understand the picture that he's saying is the gospel is like this this, this announcement, this message, that God is real, that you can know him, that Jesus is Lord, that all will bow to him, and that is an announcement. It is what it is. And, as, and when I accepted that, I became a partner in that movement with all the others that have believed that. It's how Paul sees it. He sees it as like a movement. It's not a per, just a personal belief, but it's a movement across the world. And he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, you know, when Paul preached to these people, until now... Being confident of this, what? That he who began a good work in me that day, the first day I believed, he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Christ Jesus means the day that Jesus will return. 
okay? To, to, to fully, we'll talk about this in a second, to fully restore the world to how it was made to be. But look what's assumed in the passage, being confident of what? That the day I first believed, the day I went from death to life was the beginning of a work that Jesus is doing. So, brokenness to wholeness is another way of talking about death to life. To go from death to life means to repent and to believe, to repent of my sin, to repent of not following Jesus, to not giving him my life, to repent from all of my brokenness and to believe the good news. Brokenness to wholeness is the way that we talk about what happens after that you decide that. What happens after you're baptized? The picture. Well, what God is doing this is brokenness to wholeness. Some of this is just going to be a correction, I think, to some of the ways that we've talked about this. To go from being bro- broken to being whole is something God does, not something I do. Okay? God is doing a good work in me, and I can be confident that he's going to bring it to completion someday. We, we can't get brokenness to wholeness if we, if we have what's just like a misunderstanding of what we're talking about here, a misunderstanding of the gospel, about the story of Jesus, of Christianity, depending on what we've learned about that. If we have a very common wrong view, going brokenness to wholeness won't make much sense to us. This is the wrong view. The wrong view is that the story is this. God created the world. People rebelled against God. God is very angry at people for rebelling against him. God will punish everyone for eternity because they've rebelled against him. God, for some reason, is loving, so he will take out his anger on his son, Jesus, and kind of let everyone else go free that will believe the right thing and say the right words. Okay? All lies are half-truths, okay? so not everything I'm saying is not true then what's the goal of my story? My goal of the story is to get you or me to believe this, 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 to decide that Christianity is correct, whatever I define as Christianity, and to say the right words. And that's my whole goal. That's death, that's death to life. So what after that? Well, in that view, in that Christian view, then that is the whole point. My Christian life doesn't mean much after that other than this. I should behave the way a Christian behaves, and I should continue to believe the way a Christian believes. Again, they're half-truths. This is not really the story of the Bible. This is a very truncated, cut-down view of the Bible. There are other words, but what's the story then? And in that case, there's no, re- there's no, st- there's no reason to, to think about the fact that I'm broken and God is making me whole, or that the world is broken and God is making the world whole again. This is actually the story of the scripture. So I'm going to just, you can turn there if you want with me. Genesis chapter one. This one's not on the screen. We'll go through this quickly. God makes the world and it's whole. Whole means good, okay? Whole means actually good. Good, not with, with no evil, not, nothing negative, nothing broken, no selfishness, no, none of the other stuff that we're talking about, okay? Which are aspects of wholeness. God created the world, and then in uh, verse 27, chapter 1, 
So God created mankind, people in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Uh, if you don't read in your, your understanding of the world today, and you just read Genesis chapter 1 for what it is, you get a picture, if you can imagine it, of a world that is whole, of people that are whole. There is no such thing as selfishness. There's no such thing as negative ambition. There's no such thing as hate. There's no such thing as racism. There's no such thing as, as, as illness. There's no such thing as interpersonal conflict. There's none of that. The world is whole. So God made the world whole. And then if we can tell the story quickly, chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, the enemy, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he says, he says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Again, if you read the story, this is a half-truth. God never says don't touch it, uh, but human beings begin to be led astray with half-truths. Okay? Things that sound true but aren't true. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the story is God created the world good and whole. He loved people. It was actually good and whole. What the serpent says to the woman is don't trust God. It's not whole. It's broken. God's holding out on you. It wasn't broken. So... When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So brokenness comes into the world and immediately they have personal brokenness. They feel shame. This, this feeling that something is intrinsically wrong with me, you weren't made to feel. So immediately brokenness comes to the individual person then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So you have fear, maybe other emotions as well, weren't made to feel fear. So immediately they begin to fear God in a negative way, to be scared of him, to hide from him. So you have interpersonal problems, and you have broken, brokenness to me. I'm broken. I can feel it, and I have brokenness with God. I don't want to be near him. God, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man says, the woman you put here with me. He was pretty excited about the woman before this, like just verses before. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You put her here. Uh, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So what's that? This is interpersonal brokenness, blame shifting. Okay? It's not the woman's fault. Okay? It's blame shifting. So you have immediately what happens is they feel personal brokenness. I am broken over and against whatever you've done to me or not done to me. I'm broken, and I know that. You have brokenness with God. I don't want to be near God. I don't want to see him, and if he was walking in this room, I might hide from him. 
Okay. And then I have interpersonal brokenness. My problems stem from what other people have done to me, which is maybe legitimate, maybe not. But I have brokenness with other people. Okay. So the world is broken, holistically broken. Okay. Everything is broken. If we go to the other end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. Sorry, it's just going to be skipping around like this today because it's more of a theme. 21 is, uh, the Bible is a story. The book is a story, okay? Genesis is the beginning of a story. Revelation is the end of the story. Revelation chapter 21 says this. So remember, God created the earth. That's the story we just read pieces of. God creates the earth. The earth is whole, then the earth becomes broken. Everything on it. Verse 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. By the way, both of these, uh, Genesis, what I read, is poetry, okay, and should be interpreted as poetry. Revelation chapter 21 is, pr- is prophetic literature and should be interpreted as prophetic literature with, with other things that it does as well. So when you hear it, you might not understand what it all means. That's okay. So, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, a new city, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. This is what God did in the first place, right? People broke it. So he says, God says, look, the end of the story. God's dwelling place will be with people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll be with them. So God has always wanted to be with us. Adam and Eve began to hide from God, and we have done so ever since. He will, he will wipe, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, Jesus, said, I am making everything new. Okay. So this is the story of scripture really quickly. It's made whole by God. It becomes broken through the choices of people and this, in, in this evil influence that's in the world as well. And then God goes on this journey to, to, to begin a good work and carry it on to completion. Okay, so the whole story is that what God is doing is he's making things whole. He's not getting people to change beliefs. Okay, do you understand? He, he's not not getting me to change my beliefs. It's just that he's doing a lot more than that. God's changing everything. And one of the things he wants to change is the things people believe. Okay. The reason that matters is because now that I believe, what do I do? And why does my knife, my, my knife, my life why is my knife still here? I don't need a knife. Why, why, why does, my, why does my, li- my life not always look like what I believe? This is broken. I'm still broken. Okay. <clears throat> so first, first movement we have to make is to move from this gospel that's just about my personal belief to a gospel where God's trying to make everything new, including people's beliefs. This story from Genesis to Revelation is a story about how God is restoring humanity. So why does, this matter for, why does this matter for you or for me is that, and you've probably seen this written somewhere, if we want to live meaningful lives that change the world, then we have to first find meaning and change for ourselves. And this is the big problem that we have, one of the big problems we have in, uh, in society and especially in the church is that we think that we can change other people or we can work for change somewhere else, or we can do something great with our lives 
without changing inside. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but this is really the movement from brokenness to wholeness, is that what is God interested in? What's the work God is doing? The work God is doing is a work in me, that he's every day working on me and bringing it to completion. God is interested in what we call the, the, um, the interior journey. That's not the word I'm looking for, but the inner journey. God is, God is interested in the inner journey of my life. I am interested in the outer journey of my life. Meaning, what do I look like? How do I appear? And what am I accomplishing? This is not bad, by the way. It's just that I have it backwards. God is interested in the inner journey of my life. Am I going from brokenness to wholeness? This is hard work. If you remember in January, I spoke about detox. Okay, this is the journey of brokenness to wholeness is in many ways the, the journey of detox. It's the journey of I've come from death to life. I have, and I've been baptized. And if you haven't, I'll talk about it at the end and I invite you to be baptized. Post that, how do I continue to go from death to life in every area of my life? In every area of my life. Because it, it's, not, it's true that me standing here today, not everything in my life has been surrendered to Jesus. I have said many times, Jesus, take it all. I've, I've sung a song. In reality, not everything in my life has bowed its knee to Jesus. Because it's difficult. And it's very hard. And, and it's not all choices. It's not all just that I haven't chosen to do it. It's that there are parts of my life that are wrapped up in pain and there's parts of my life that are wrapped up in hurt that I don't know how to, okay? So the journey from, this is why this, is, this verse is important, the journey from brokenness to wholeness is not something that I need to become anxious about. It's something that God is doing. God is going to do it. And we'll talk about how, I can, how we can take that step. But here's the correction. That's handy. Okay. This is what it does not mean to go from being broken to being whole. It is not, it is not transactional. This means it is not as simple as saying, uh, which is the story I told. It's not as simple as saying, what do I have to do? Just tell me what to do. Is there a prayer that you have that you've written down that I can speak? And if I speak, I will become whole? It's not transactional, meaning God's, not inter God's interested in transformation. I kind of covered this already. He's not interested in making transactions with people. He's not saying, if I can just get people to recite the beliefs or even begin to change their mind intellectually. Oh, there is a God. Oh, he is, he is, he is fully revealed in Jesus. I can have a relation. This is transactional. Because what that does is I accept it and I keep going with my life. It's not transactional and it's not necessarily simple like that. And this is hard. It's not therapeutic. What this means is that going from brokenness to wholeness does not mean this. It does not mean that I have an area of my life and, and I think this is what we often do. We're, we're probably okay with the transactional thing. Oh yeah, I'm not that. But then I have issues in my life that remain issues for long periods of time. And that is okay in a way, okay? However, how do I view God and what God is doing in my life? Do I view God as kind of like a therapist? And what, there's nothing wrong with therapy, by the way. It can be a part of this equation. But what I mean by therapeutic is that there's somebody there, God, or, or I'm codependent on another person, that's there to just nurse the wound that I have 
I think that we understand most of us as a as a as a movement of people, brokenness to wholeness, that God wants to make us whole. The problem is why aren't we made whole sometimes? And it's either because we have this transactional idea, God's not actually, you know, I'm just supposed to do the thing and oh it didn't work. Or it's therapeutic. I'm not actually trying to change. I don't actually want to get rid of it, or I don't know how. I just want someone to be there for me as I go through it. But I'm going to keep going through it. I'm not really sure how to get this one across. <laughs> um, for example, maybe you struggle with, with pornography, okay? And you think, I really want to be free from this. And then you think, yeah, I want to change. I want to be free from that. And even many people that aren't Christians today see that that is an unhealthy way to live. But my view of God and Christianity and other people is mostly therapeutic. So I want someone to be there to pray for me, but I'm not actually willing to do anything to, to move beyond it, okay? The transactional thing is all about moving beyond it, okay? It's, it has nothing to do with the heart. It's just like, what do I have to do? Tell me to do it. The therapeutic thing is just only, it's not really about the heart, but it's only about the heart. It's like, pray for me, help me, talk to me about it. Yeah, but when are you going to... Do something radical. Get rid of all that stuff. Or chuck your computer out of the window. When, I mean, you know what I mean? Like Jesus said, pluck your eye out. So when are you going to... That's not therapy, right? And so this is just say there's two sides to change, okay? There's, it's just about what I do, but your heart never changed. And it's just about, I don't really want to give it up, and God makes me feel better with it. So that I, it's just not good for you to kind of live in this spiral. God made... Jesus came to transform us. And so what does transformation look like? Is it somewhere in between these two things? There are things that I do, and there is therapy I need. <clears throat> so, so I say this part, actually, I'm just going to leave this part with you for a second to say, what would it look like for that thing, if God brings it to mind, what is my next step to move from brokenness to wholeness? You know, uh, what does it mean for me God did, if God did not make me broken and he's restoring me, all things are new, then how do I walk out my, my newness? Well, the new me, which if I don't know what that should look like, I can just look at Jesus. I should look like Jesus. I'm being transformed into his image. To become like Jesus, I shouldn't be uh, fear. I should not fear other people as an example. I should never feel that. I can do something transactional, meaning God, take it away. Or, or, you know, what do I have to do? It's all surface stuff. The reason transactional things don't work is because I never thought to ask, why deep down inside do I struggle with this? Or I can do therapy. Arevalo, will you come pray with me again today about this? Every day for, I don't know how long, a long time, <laughs> you know, for whatever. And then Arevalo asked me one day, how's it going? No, not good, not good. <laughs> Are you still fearing people? Yes. Okay, so it's probably because I've just opted for this therapeutic thing because it's too hard to really change. It's too hard. The transformative thing, I'll tell you how it works in a second, is just neither of these. It's a bit of each, and it's neither of these. Everybody Jesus comes in contact with uh, changes, or they decide not to, one or the other. And, and I don't want the therapeutic thing to sound like a, a, a guilt thing or a shame thing. I had tons of things in my life that haven't changed in a long time. It's just more that unless you try to make that shift to say, 
I have some kind of, like there is, there is something in me that can help move on beyond this stuff. It's not all just going to come from outside. And if I don't go to that place to realize I do have a level of responsibility in this and I need help, but I also need to take the courage and the step to move on, then you won't. You'll just get stuck in this cycle. And I've been in those cycles for long periods of time too. That's nice. Does anybody know what that's called? Yeah, it's a broken vessel. It's, it's called kintsugi in Japanese. Um, there's a, is anybody Japanese here? Because I should just let you talk about it. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, I should let you talk about it. You can tell me afterward if I'm wrong. Um, so in, there's, an, there's, a, there's an art form in Japan where uh, what was once a whole beautiful piece of pottery I don't know if they break it on purpose. I don't know. And now they do it on... Yeah. So this is gold in between. You know, and so, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but the kind of, the kind of message behind it is like, just because something was broken before, when it's healed and whole, it can actually become better and more beautiful than before it was broken. Like the thing is probably worth a lot more money now than before it was broken, right? So this is gold. It's been repaired with gold in between. And, and the message here is just that this is the story of the scriptures, actually, that God made us as perfect pieces of pottery, not broken, that were shattered. And I think sometimes we can feel in the middle of our brokenness um, that these things are like scars, you know? They're like... Uh, the, the places are yeah that, that's what I say the places of our brokenness when when we actually give them to God and God begins to heal them can become the thing that makes it more us more beautiful if I could say it like that uh, this is the story of Paul um, if you know the story of Paul Paul wrote the, the most of the New Testament he wrote that little passage that we all talk to each other about Paul was most likely a murderer, if not complicit in people's murders, if not definitely like loved when certain people would be murdered. <laughs> he definitely was involved in the gang. And so uh, Paul has a radical moment of going from death to life, okay, where he, he, he hates Jesus and he hates people who follow him. And I know some of us are apathetic. That's the new thing, apathetic. But Paul was not apathetic. Paul was missionally against Jesus. And so Paul goes from death to life, but Paul is broken, deeply broken. And you could probably even psychoanalyze what would make a person kill people of a different faith. So Paul's that kind of person. Paul was a religious terrorist. And so we don't usually think of things like that, but this is the story of the Bible. This is what happened. So Paul, though, goes from being broken. Then Paul spends probably, you have to read in between the lines because if the story of the New Testament leaves out chunks of Paul's life. The story of the New Testament mostly gives Paul's uh, great things. The letters that he wrote to churches, the stories in Acts where he's planting churches. There is a period of time of about 10 years before that in which the only clue from the Bible is that Paul was living in a cave. And there's no church that survives from that 10 years that we know of. Paul went from death to life and it's quiet and then he comes out of a cave. He's invited to Jerusalem to the leaders of the church. He feels this calling to the Gentiles, and he goes out and plants churches. What happened for 10 years is that you had a, you had a man who was deeply broken, who was 
going through this, this, this movement from brokenness to wholeness is it takes time. And sometimes the times in our life in which we feel the most broken, God is always at work. He's always at work and he's always, and this is what he likes to do. This is the point. God likes taking things that are broken and making them whole. He doesn't like taking things that think they're whole and, and doing something with them. He's just going to break them. <laughs> okay. Or he's going to show you like, he's going to like flick the bowl and show you that there's no gold in between the cracks that you just fall apart. Uh, there's somebody else that every time I think about Paul that comes to mind now, I was taking a course a few years ago, and um, there was a guy named Zach that stood up in the front, and Zach is pff, he's like double my height, probably. <laughs> he's not actually, that would be ridiculous, but he's, he's very tall. And, uh, and he, uh, I wish I could just describe him to you, and I should have found a picture, but Zach is, Zach is, is bald and has uh, quite a few tattoos coming this way. Uh, big white guy, and uh, he just looks rough, you know? He just looks like a rough guy. In fact, Zach looks rough enough that you just don't see people that look like this often on the street, you know what I mean? Or they're covering it up, you know? And uh, the story is because Zach uh, spent many years of his life in gang life and, um, and, and as, a, as a drug dealer, making drugs, selling drugs, and just really broken. Okay. And those are surface things, actually, you know, like those kind of things are surface things. They're not heart things. There's a reason that Zach is doing that. That's why it's not transactional. It's not just, well, stop doing it, Zach. It's how'd that start, Zach? And once you start hearing the story, you start hearing things of a four-year-old and a five-year-old and a six-year-old that was preparing him to become this person. But when I heard Zach talk, uh, he stood up and you have this surface of like cracks, you know? You can kind of still see his old life uh, painted on his body, you know? They're like, uh, he has them for a reason. And, but when he spoke, I thought this, I, I have never heard somebody I speak that I respect more. And when he spoke, it was like the, it's hard to describe, but he just sounds like the Apostle Paul when he would speak. Because you see that God has done something that, and it's God doing it, that God loves to do, is he took somebody that was extremely broken and he's made them whole and you can still see the cracks on the outside of this person's life. And the effect that he's having is, is kind of the end, is what God's done on the inside of this guy has spilled out onto the outside. And then you have somebody that's not striving to make things happen, but is seeing his life begin to affect other people that are just like him which is like miraculous. I mean, this guy, if you knew what he went from and went from to, and then you see this person and you think, wow, I don't even understand. Besides the fact that you can still kind of tell where he comes from, you would never understand how he went from there to there and that now his life is impacting people that are still broken. And the thing is, when he speaks, you still feel, you still sense the brokenness a little bit. For instance, he has uh, hepatitis C. Uh, hepatitis C from, from drug use, and it's fatal for sure. And uh, this is this person speaking that says, I have this. I'm basically slowly dying. And uh, it's a product of my brokenness. And I have prayed for my friends here who have hepatitis C. And a few of these people have been healed miraculously. But I haven't. And of course I want to, and I keep praying for that. But to see him wrestle through this thing of realizing that God is making him whole, 
And even if God does not fully make him whole in this way, the promises from Revelation 21 that God will make him whole, that he won't have that anymore, that his liver will be fully restored, fully healed, never to be sick again. And I, I kind of tell that story. You guys can come up, actually. Sorry, I should end. I tell that story just to say that this is what God wants us to do. Is It's death to life, which I'm going to end with. But it's to say, what does it look like for the part of my life that has not submitted to Jesus, that I've not given to him, to begin to submit? And actually, there's no easy answer. There's just three things I would say you to. There's no secret. This is also what we try to do. I'll come back to that. Usually what we want is transactional. Tell me what to do. And it's, it's, we do it too. I have, a, I have a course you could go to. I have a book you could read. I have a prayer material that you could use. And we have a prayer material. I have a prayer material you could use. The reason that we look for these things to fix our problems is because we're anxious. Answer is never in things like that. Those things help. They're good. The answer is never the thing. Or else it'd be so easy. Just like line up and let's... <laughs> Read the thing and do the thing and you're good. It's not simple or else everybody would be good. We're all good. The secret, if there's a secret, is this. Surrender to Jesus. Just keep doing it. What does it mean to surrender? Is I have nothing to throw. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. So like, I have this thing I'm holding. To surrender is very simple and very difficult depending on what it is. And it's to say, that's really wild. That's what it means. The first step of actually transformation of going from brokenness to wholeness is giving it away. And once you surrender it, this is why it's transformation. Once you surrender it, I might have to start taking some radical steps. And I might have to start saying, I need somebody to pray with me because I think it's much deeper than just that I want to sell drugs or something, you know, whatever the issue is. It's deeper than that. Surrender, and then what do you do when you surrender? Is you go from death to life again. You repent and you believe. Baptism is a picture of repenting and believing, and this is always the first step. So if you want to move from death to life, I'm going to give you a moment in a minute. But baptism, this picture of dying in the water and raising again is what has to happen in every area of our life again and again and again. And I come to this place where I realize with with. You know, when I, when I have interpersonal conflict, but conflict's not bad, but if I have like ongoing conflict with somebody, I need to find what is the brokenness and how do I put it to death and raise it to life again? This is different for everybody. What it means though is that as a follower of Jesus, you must realize that what it means to be a follower of Jesus before everything else, we're still called to go by the way, before everything else, is to say that God is doing this work in me to bring me from brokenness to wholeness. I'm not concerned about you. I'm concerned about me moving from brokenness to wholeness because if I will change, the world around me will begin to change. This is why we're about holistic transformation, wherever that sign is. <laughs> holistic transformation, meaning that God wants to change me on the inside and he wants to change the world outside of me. Some of us only care about the inside and some of us only care about the outside. The only way to change the world is to be changed on the inside and then you'll begin to change the outside. Uh, we'll just end with this and then I'll pray. When Jesus uh, sends his disciples uh, to go, okay? So he has a 12 disciples. One of them betrays Jesus, commits suicide. He has 11 left. And he tells these 11 after they've doubted him, after they've questioned him, the text itself says that some of them were still doubting even when Jesus was saying this. Jesus told them, 
you go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all people. Teach them everything I've commanded you, is Matthew 28. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you at all times. Jesus told people who were still going from brokenness to wholeness, like they were pretty much on the broken side, brokenness to wholeness to go. So again, and this is not, this is the other thing we do, we stay in a place and just try to change. And we never let our life begin to dream, kind of like what Lisa was talking about. We never begin to dream that our lives could impact other people. It's just both and at the same time at all times. As I change, as I give, if I let the good news continue to change me from the inside, I then step outside the door, step outside of wherever I'm going and look for who else I can encourage, impact, and give the good news to. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org.